to a place with no frustration. Back it up before I lose my patience. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the ICI Pro Podcast. My name is Joey Stabile, and I am the host of this exciting show. Are you looking for indoor cycling, inspiration, and ideas, new classes and playness, technical expertise? Please find this and a lot more at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Once again, IndoorCycleInstructor.com. And... Welcome to another exciting episode of Indoor Cycling Instructor Pro Podcast. My name is Joey Stabile and I am the host here today. Today we have an outstanding podcast for all of you listeners out there. We have Suhail from The Wheelhouse with us and he's going to discuss a little bit about how he got his business started and his most valuable asset. It's not the asset that you're thinking of, but at the end of the podcast, I think you're going to understand why you have underestimated the value of your customers and how we can protect them. Also on the line with us is John from Zingfit, and John's going to tell us how Zingfit has helped Suhail to um, bring his customers to the forefront and most importantly, keep them as his customers. So with that, I want to say hi to everybody. Hi, Suhail. Hey, John. And John, welcome. Hi, Joey. Very nice. Thank you. Okay, so Suhail, let's talk a little bit about your studio. Um, we had an opportunity to speak before the podcast started, and um, you have quite the unique setup there. So why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about what you do, and um, I'd really like you to hit on the transient nature of your studio because, boy, I'll tell you, from a studio owner's point of view, it's almost our biggest nightmare, but you seem to have turned it into a tremendous strength. Yep. Hi. So um, Wheelhouse started about five years ago. Um, we predominantly focus on three areas of fitness. Uh, the first one is cardio, and we use indoor cycling for that. The second one is around yoga. So we have a, a dedicated environment specifically designed and built for the, the yoga practitioner. And then the third environment focuses on building strength and, and toning up the muscles. So we focus on three key distinct areas. We've been around for about five years. Um, it was started by my partner and I, and that was Carl. Carl Morley was, is the, the visionary for Wheelhouse. Um, he came up with the concept of, of offering group fitness classes only. Um, we do over 160 classes a week. Um, he was very passionate about health and fitness. He used to swim for England when he was 14 years old. So he comes from a very athletic background. Um, and he's always had the vision of, you know, that anybody, regardless of what your ability is, you should be able to, to work out and have a good time while you're doing that. Um, myself, I, my background is, is uh, technology. So I come from a corporate job environment. Um, and I started Wheelhouse with Carl years ago, um, predominantly because my, my mother was sick with breast cancer and, and she always used to say to me, you know, leave your corporate job and do something for the community, something that will change people's lives. So when she, she passed away, I dedicated, you know, the rest of my life, career and career and life on, on building a fitness business and helping as many people as I could. Um, we basically do rhythmic riding. So we do movement on the bike. Um, and recently, one of the things that we've done is we've introduced metrics, performance metrics, 
um, into our cycling studio. And what we noticed by doing that was an increase in the number of people who used to ride outdoors suddenly coming into uh, the indoor cycling area now and giving that a whirl. So that was one of the major things that we noticed. The second thing that I wanted to bring up was, you know, our studio is located in the financial district. And so there are a lot of transient customers that come in and out of the studio. Um, an example is on average, we have customers that would have, that would be a wheelhouse client, you know, booking, making their reservations online, attending classes for about eight or nine months in the year. And then they might go silent for about six months because they're off on another project. Um, so the, the challenge for us is, you know, once they go off onto these other projects, how do we bring them back in when they're back in town to our studio and continue where they left off? Well, that's an amazing story. So I just want to share with you, um, you know, my wife, Amy Smith, um, as we had talked before, so she's a triathlete, an amazing cyclist, far stronger than myself. Um, she is a breast cancer survivor as well. Um, wow. So she's been through about 16 operations. Um, I'm happy wow. to say that this this coming June, she is um, two years cancer-free. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's a long fight, and um, you know, my heart certainly goes out to you. Um, and I don't say this for sympathy. What I say this for is you know, the passion that you have behind this just must be completely amazing. You know, I know that when I ride with Amy, you know, we ride from the heart. And, um, and I think that's, you know, so important. I think that I get many people that come to me and say, Hey, I want to start a site. You have any advice for me? I have two things to say. We talked about this initially. So the first one is, yeah, write me about a 15 page email (laughs) because there's a lot that goes into it. But the truth is at the end of the day, do you love it? Because that's really what it comes down to. You know, do you love it and do you feel it? Because really what, what we have to do through this journey that we're all on is we have to tie into our customers. And if the, the genuine caring is not there, then the customers are going to notice that right away. Right. Yep. And so, you know, it's, um, I applaud you and certainly your efforts. Um, you know, you're a standout studio and you've done a great job, but you know, I think that it's, it's because you care, right? It's because the love comes through and the customers see that. And, um, I think that's so important. I love the rhythm style. Um, myself coming from a triathlon background, I am not generally a rhythm rider, although I am literally a beat fanatic. If in any of my classes, the BPM of the music always matches the RPM that I'm asking you to ride at. You know, I'm one of those people that when I go to a class and an instructor does not match them up, like I kind of run into an area of cognitive dissonance, right? Like I I just don't even know what to do with myself, (laughs) you know, and I think that that's something that, you know, is so often overlooked in indoor cycling, right? It's, um, I consider myself a hardcore cyclist. I do what I need to do and I still compete in triathlon, but at the same time, you have to have fun on the bike. Um, Amy and I have a wonderful opportunity to travel to D.C. every now and again. And um, when we do, there's a studio there that um, I'm not going to bring up here. Um, but, you know, they, uh, they have a Friday happy hour ride. And um, Amy and I ride it every time we're down there. And, um, you know, if you can't have a party on a bike, where can you have a party? In looking at your studio, 
again, I get asked so often, what is it I need to do? I want to start a new studio. I want to look into it. You know, and we talked about this a little bit before. I think the biggest apparent journey for people to go through is, you know, where do I get my bikes? Where do I get my financing? But the truth is, I think they overlook their number one asset that they're going to acquire. And that is their clients. By and large, I think that if you look at the cost of your bikes, and if you look at the cost that you spend in acquiring new clients and advertising and keeping the old clients, it probably dwarfs the cost of the bikes. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And so, yeah. And so you being in such a completely unique situation with transient clients, what are some of the things that you do to try to keep your clients together with you and reach out to them and keep them involved in the wheelhouse family? Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's several things that we do. Carl and I are very much people persons. We make sure that we go around and we spend a lot of time on the floor greeting members, trying to find out anything about them, how their day is going. And we mean that genuinely. All of our staff at the front desk greet people as they walk in using their first name. And we try and remember that because first impressions really do count. We try to make the entire customer experience very, very simple. From the moment they use their cell phone or desktop or laptop, whatever device they're going to use to make their booking, we make sure that the experience is taken all the way through. The brand name, the, the style sheets, the way the images look, the, the color, the font and so forth, all is carried throughout the entire booking process, for example. So, wait a um, minute. so let me interrupt you here. So you actually have control over your style sheets and your booking experience? Totally. And that was one of the major factors that, that we looked into when we first looked for software out there that would address um, you know, managing our entire customer experience because that's critical to us. That's our biggest asset, like you mentioned. One of the other things that, that you know, we, we realized really early on was that people could be on their desk and next minute they're on their cell phone. So the software or any booking system that we use has to be able to use and leverage those type of devices. So we didn't want you know, for a customer to download an app from the Apple iStore. And if you had an Android phone, you would download an app from the Android store. We wanted them to just go to our website, whichever device they were on, be able to display that website based upon the device that they're using, and then for them to quickly be able to book into a class. Because if you're in the financial district, you're, you're probably surrounded by a lot of white-collar professional workers, and, and these guys are always busy. And so you want to make sure that their experience is quick and easy, it, it's not cumbersome or clunky, and that if something comes up, and this was one of the key game changers for us, um, when we first you know, rolled out the studio, we wanted to make sure we catered to those financial district transient people. And so what we did was that if you were unable to attend a class and you had to cancel or you did not show up, we just took you out of the class and there was no penalty. Because what we realized early on was that, you know, meetings happen, things get dragged on and unexpected obstacles appear during your, your day at work. And so we shouldn't ding the member because of an unexpected event that caused them to miss a class. So our, our policies are very, very flexible and they're geared towards the, the working person. Yeah. So, again, I think that that really just drives home to your caring for the client. Right. I mean, life happens work happens, you get it. 
And so, as you had initially said, your goal is to make their life better, right? right. And so, yeah. in doing that, you're working with them. At this point, I'm going to bring in John. John, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Fabulous. So, Suhail, you know, my understanding is in looking for all of these things to manage your customer experience, you were able to tap in to John's company, Zingfit. And yep. um, and so did you use Zingfit right from the start? We we did not. We used another another company first. We spent six months and over oh, I'd hate to say it, five figures um, on the upper six figures area nearly um, in trying to implement a solution. Okay, great. So Suhail, when you were out looking for <laughs> software and how to manage this um, incredibly transient business, um, you know, a chore for any studio, what were you looking for? What was your software prerequisites? What were the um, vendor requirements? You know, how did you go about finding who would work best for you? It was it was pretty difficult at first. We um, we had a look at a lot of software platforms at that time that were available, but we had a number of key requirements. Um, the very first one was that it would have to carry the brand, um, all of the fonts, colors, and so forth across all of the different platforms or devices that a member would use. Um, it had to be easy to use, both from us from our front desk staff perspective, but also from a customer's perspective. It had to be very intuitive in terms of what the function that they were trying to perform and very quickly be able to perform that function. And the third and probably the most important thing was being able to allow a member to, to book into a specific class and a specific spot, their favorite bike or their favorite mat location. They should be able to book into that and reserve that for, for a given class. Those were the key areas that we had to make sure that software platform, whatever vendor we chose, could meet. I know that you're currently with Zingfit. Is that who you started with? No, we started um, initially with a, a with another platform. Okay, and how did that work out? It, it didn't actually work out very well. Um, we found that there was gaps in what we were trying to do. Um, they, they weren't able to um, meet the very third and most important requirement, and that was being able to book into a specific mat or a bike. Um, and that was critical to us. And so two weeks before we actually opened, we found Zingfit online and we had a discussion with um, John and his team. And within two, three, two weeks, we were live with the Zingfit software with a uh, brand image that we could live with. And we've been with Zingfit for the last five years since then. So let me ask you, what kind of bikes do you ride? The blade swinging, spinning bikes originally. And then last year we got the Schwinn bikes, the carbon blue. Oh, nice. I like them both, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, the one thing I have noticed is I get an opportunity to get around from studio to studio. And, um, well, I actually ride a power tap on my outdoor, uh, my main outdoor bike. Um, but Amy rides the Garmin power pedals on her outdoor bike. Got it. Yeah, because, you so, know, she's way more high-tech than I am, and, you know, that's just yeah. how it works out. And, and, it's um, in, and it's interesting you mentioned about the bikes, though, because one thing that we did do was, um, and it all boils down to the whole customer experience thing, was yep. we, we went out. When we were looking for a bike manufacturer to change our bikes, we went out to go and get the 
get test bikes for every single one of the major players out there and bring those bikes into our studio. So we had one of each and we then got our customers, our members to go in and ride and tell us what they thought, which bike they wanted. And it was them who picked this bike. The ride experience per bike is certainly important from an outdoor cyclist point of view. Amy and I, as we travel around and go to studios, we always make a point of taking her pedals with us because we can move them from, you know, bike to bike. And um, interestingly enough, regardless of which bike you have, the um, the wattage from bike to bike is always different. I notice on Kaisers, I find up to a 20% difference from low to high on bikes that I get on the, the free motions, probably a little bit less, but not much, frankly. And so, you know, if I think it's really important for the customer to understand that if you want to see results and if you want to have comparable results, you have to be on the same bike. Yeah. And so that's really a critical booking tool, isn't it? Totally. Yeah, I teach at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, um, you know, one of my functions there is as the triathlon coach. So throughout the winter, we do our indoor training on Kaiser bikes. And, you know, one of the things that I am steadfast on is that every individual on my team must be on the same bike every ride that we do indoors. Because, you know, to me, you can hear a bunch of arguments about indoor bikes being off. It's a calculated power value, so it really depends on a bunch of factors. But I'm not really concerned about the power because the truth is in a, in a race situation, um, I would never run a power tap on my race bike because that's another pound in my back wheel that, frankly, I don't need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but in my training... What I'm really concerned about is the delta, right? So I'm concerned about my change in power from month to month. And as a studio owner, I'm sure you can concur, nothing builds customer loyalty like results. Yeah, totally. And so if you're on the same bike, your delta is a comparable number. So if from May to June... I have, you know, been able to produce, let's say, five more watts on average for the ride, right? <clears throat> I've gotten stronger. Yep. And isn't that what I'm coming to you for? Amongst other things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, John, tell us how that works out. How, do you, how are you able to ensure that I get my same bike all the time? By providing spot scheduling. So we, we're actually a bit, a bit fanatical about it. I mean, we take requirements for background images. Um, studio owners want fan placement, speaker placement. I think, uh, I think Suhail, you had a couple pillars in the middle yep. of one of your yep, did, yeah. one rooms that we designed around yep. and, you know, making sure that someone either likes the pillar or they don't. And, you know, they can, they can choose that spot in the room. So, um, you know, even goes, even goes beyond the bike, but yeah, the bike is chosen there. We even in the beginning, you know, some studios had pedals that supported, you know, look clips. And so we could flag those bikes versus other bikes. And so, yeah, we, we accommodate, um, quite a lot. We've actually built the software. So the booking room itself almost sits outside of our software. 
And so we can do a lot of custom functionality within that, within that booking room. And again, I see that as being so critical to the cyclist experience. Yeah, but especially in the boutique world, you know, people are paying 30 to $40 a class and they want what they want and they shouldn't have what they want. That's the whole idea of what, you know, Suhail does and, you know, he's a, he's, he's fanatical about that experience. I've been in the studio a few times and, um, but yeah, and, and, and just the placement in the room is just one of those things. And the beauty is once someone books a bike, we know where they are. And so in terms of their uh, performance metrics, um, we can have that sent to us right after the class is done, email it out to the customer. They can check it out in their profile and they can look at how this ride compared to the last 30 rides. And especially if they're on the same bike, <laughs> you know, they can they can really see some improvement there. And that's yeah. uh, that's just highly motivating. Yeah, and amazingly, so my understanding is this is called spot scheduling in um, Zingfit. So phenomenal. So, again, you know, there's people that like to stand behind the pillar, as you said, right? And there's people <laughs> that like to be up front, right? We all have those people. There's yep. a couple of them that like to be right up front. You know, I always laugh. I teach a 5.45 a.m. Wednesday class, and I feel like I never shower on Tuesdays because the front row is completely <laughs> empty, and I'm just not sure why. It, it doesn't make sense to me. You're an intimidated-looking guy, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> you have obviously not taken my class. <laughs> At 545 especially. Especially. The, uh, yeah, you know, I have, I've told numerous people in my 545 that the intensity of the ride is inversely proportional to the amount of donuts and coffee that they leave on <laughs> the audio stand. And um, I got to tell you, every single week, they are going for like a 9 out of 10. <laughs> it's crazy. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'd like to talk a little bit more about this. So with ZingFit, we're actually able to customize not just the bike position, as I have seen happen many, many times. Cleaning crew comes in. Bike five is now bike seven, right? Like stuff gets crazy on the floor. But you're also able to customize cleat position or cleat type and room geographics? Yeah. In addition to the placement in the room with all the room artifacts that we discussed, we do a number of other things. We have these uh, metrics where you can record uh, bike um you bike adjustment, so the customer sees those on their sign-up sheet. You know when they uh, when they come in. Uh, we also pass the profile from the digital system, you know, to the third-party provider. So if people are providing, um, you know, overhead metrics and leaderboards. You know, within the class, we can pass on the profiles from our system to that provider in in the class. So. People can even select a, a name to go up on the leaderboard within our software that gets passed on through. And they can even hit the checkbox to say, I don't want my metrics to show up on the leaderboard for this class. And, um, you know, because some classes are not as competitive in, well, some students are not as competitive in the class, but they still like to see their metrics, you know, when they're done. So they have the, uh, kind of choice of where they want the metrics to be personal or where they, you know, want them to display within the class. Yeah. So just to be clear, 
if there's more than two cyclists on the road or in the class, it is a race. <laughs> but <laughs> but I totally get it. Like so, we all not have if they're partying on the bike. Well, I was going to say we all have recovery days, right? <laughs> Wait a minute, I could party at a race. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's possible. Okay, so Zuhel, um, all exciting stuff here. But you know, as we talked initially, your most valuable asset is your customer. How do you yep. feel about giving all of this information over to a third-party provider? Well, the, the beauty of that, the answer to that question is we don't. The, the information, all the, all the data, they're our customers. And so we hold that data and we own that data. Anytime that we're going to reach out and you know, send an email to that customer is going to be driven by wheelhouse as to when and, and what the message is going to be and so forth. And so the platform allows you to do that. So what you're saying is that when your customers sign up for your classes, they don't have to sign into a third-party system that requires them to allow access to receive emails or notifications or messages from some other party. Yeah, and I'd even say we, uh, you know, we let uh, Suhail pimp his emails too, so they all have his his branding, you know, for all the system emails as they go out. Yeah. So that sounds like a nice synergy there. Suhail is able to control who gets what information, but yet he's able to harness the power of ZingFit to be able to send out the group emails to the riders in that class. Yeah, and even on the front end, um, you know, as Suhail was saying, he wanted to find, I think he said, um, you know, some software to carry his brand. And, you know, again, if you walk into his studio, you see how, you know, it, it, it's beautiful. It's modern. It's white. It's, uh, and um, there's, a, there's a great vibe as you, as you walk in there. And so the trick is, and, and the thing that I, you know, we've been doing this for six years, you know, and then six years ago, online scheduling was a, was a big deal. And I think still less than half of Americans had actually, you know, run an e-commerce transaction. But, but, but even then we said, you know, here's these studios who were, you know, deliberating for three days on the color of their front door and we're talking to studio owners that are excited because they've got these beautiful white lockers with these, you know, easy to access, you know, combinations. And they're all concerned about this experience. And we said that, you know, pop up windows for scheduling that takes people away from their website just aren't going to do. We need to figure out a way to take that brick and mortar experience and then transfer that to the digital experience, you know, digital mortar you know, how do we do that? How do we make that as fanatical as, you know, the wheelhouse lobby? And so we've just worked to provide tools to get us out of the way and create the same kind of fanatical customer touch in the digital sphere as they're working on in the, in the brick and mortar. So Suho, after listening to all of this, my question is, it almost sounds like ZingFit was the digital mortar. That gave you the bridge from your customers that are transitioning through the financial district and the e-commerce that you really need to automate your business operations. Totally. That's a, that's a great analogy. I love that 
that saying, digital mortar. I've never heard that before. I just made it up about three seconds ago. Nice. Right? Yeah. You know, you, I mean, you can use that. I'm going to leave that for you, but I might use it and, uh, you know, give you some credit on it. I appreciate that. Digital mortar. I like it. So I think that in wrap up here for, you know, our listeners, when you're starting a new studio, you may want to really strongly consider your digital mortar. Because as you're spending your time and as you're spending your money on your build out and as you're signing the lease for the equipment, I want you to really stop and think hard because the truth is the money that you have spent on all of the physical assets will be far eclipsed by the money that you're going to expend on your customer assets. And don't you want to keep those yours? And it seems to me that the true way to do that is to have digital order. So gentlemen, as we conclude this podcast, I'm going to give you each 30 seconds. So to a new studio owner, what can you tell them about owning their customers? What I would say is really understand who your customer is. That, that is the, that's a given. That's probably your most important thing. Understand who your customer is, what drives them. Also, build a relationship with them. Get to really know what your typical client is. And then um, make sure that you periodically reach out to them via, you know, the digital world or, or in person, giving them information about, you know, what's coming down the road with your studio, um, how that benefits them and their fitness program. But also, be mindful of not overpowering them with too many emails and so forth. You want to make sure there's a good balance and even letting them control how much of that information they get and, and leverage the, the software platform that you have to store information like, you know, a somebody's bike settings, for example, because that is a huge plus for any customer to be able to pull up their bike settings on their, on their cell phone and be able to set their bike up and have fun with it. That's the most important thing. Make sure you're very passionate about what you do. I'm sure your customers are going to pick up on that and, and feel the vibe as well. Very nicely done. And John? All right. Um, yeah, in terms of customers as an asset, I think my recommendation would be to try to figure out how you get your customers to bring you more customers. Because at the end of the day, people want to work together they want to work out together with people who they want to work out together with, you know, people fussy about who they sweat with, I think. And, um, you know, I think that there's, you you can look at the metrics, you know, 85% of the people in a boutique studio end up there because of a social referral. Someone has grabbed their elbow and said, get off the couch and now to work with me. I think for studio owners to really look at, um, how they can do that is a really important consideration. Again, treating your customers as, as an asset. And you know what? When friends work out with friends, you know, the social recruitment takes care of social retention. Well, gentlemen, I'd like to really thank you for your time today. I think that this is a tremendous service to new studio owners. You know, I know that a lot of times as we're developing new studios, our costs are always on construction and they're dealing with bike leases and all kind of craziness. But our major cost is client acquisition. And once we expend those dollars and we acquire the client, shouldn't we really reach deep and keep that client 
with us. I mean, after all, it's our heart, it's our soul, and it's our groove that has gone into keeping that client with our facility. And there's no reason to share that with anybody else. And so data ownership is crucial. And for those of you that are operating multiple studios, and we have quite a few listeners in Europe and um, several other continents, there are new laws passed that require extensive data relationship agreements. And I think that the important part is that everybody understands that if you go with us and if you keep your clients close to the vest, that you've retained your greatest asset. And, you know, for those of you that want to run a studio for the rest of your life, I applaud you. It is a good move. And many of us have done it. For those of you that are trying to build a brand and are trying to have multiple locations, you know, your biggest asset will be your client discovery processes and your client retention processes. And for all of those aspects, we really want to keep them in-house. So with all of that, I thank you very much. Everybody have a fabulous day. And this is Joey signing out with ICI Pro. that wraps up another episode of the ICI Pro Podcast. Please check out our website at